This morning we're going to be in the book of Psalms. Uh, we'll get back to 1 Timothy. We'll look at contentment next Sunday. So come back for that next Sunday for contentment in 1 Timothy 6. But this morning we're going to look at Psalm 119. Verse 89 will be our section. In, in the hymn, Abide With Me, there's a phrase that kind of stands out. It says, change and decay in all around I see. Change and decay in all around I see. That was written by Henry Light in 1847. And, and certainly if that was true of his time, how much more is it true of our time? Change and decay in all around I see. When we think about it, we are living in a time of dramatic change. Uh, we've seen that in security uh, measures. Uh, everything changed on September 11th, 2001. And for most of us, that's still very vivid in our mind. Uh, but a high school student today has no memory of it. Most, the oldest one would be about three years old at that time. Uh, so, so most students have no idea what that is today. Uh, technology and communication, big changes. Uh, the iPhone is, hasn't been around that long when we think about it. Uh, Matt and Levi, you guys are first ones to buy one. What year was that? Was it 2007? I got mine in 08. 08, okay. Okay, came out in 07, you guys were in 08. So that's not that long ago. And that has changed. Uh, the cell phone market, communication, social media, just huge. And a number of years ago, it wasn't. Uh, we've looked at the expansion of government, micromanaging everything. That's going to get worse. And then, of course, uh, the one that's probably the most disturbing is the rapid change in moral values. A uh, huge shift there uh, from uh, voting in, proving marijuana, same-sex marriage, and, and the continued uh, deal with abortion. Uh, so these are things we're seeing take place in cha uh, great change. But yet, I want us to also see there are some things that never change. And these are the things that anchor us today. And our psalmist uh, points these out today. We're going to look at verses 89 through 96. I think Warren Wiersbe, I like what he calls them. He calls these wonderful affirmations, and they really are. So let's uh, take our Bibles. These are affirmations that uh, anchor us to the eternal. These are affirmations that help us to stand brightly for Jesus in changing times. So let's stand as we read God's Word. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I'll never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. 
The wicked have waited for me to destroy me. But I'll consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are always thankful to come to your word, to get a new insight, to, to get a whole completely different perspective, to be lifted up in body and soul and spirit and strength. Now, Lord, we come to you for you to do that. Only you can. And lift us up as your people with your strength. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We see the affirmation of God's word. You look in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How many things are forever? How many things can be counted on? Very few. But yet here we see that God's word is a rare jewel. It can always be counted on. It, we can always trust it. We can always stand on it. It is permanent because God is permanent. He's forever. And his word is the same way. Uh, forever means age lasting. It carries a force of being incalculable, unlimited, continuance, eternity. It refers to the remote past and the distant future. It is a word that looks back into eternity and into the eternal future. David here tells us God's word is settled forever in heaven. That word settled means to be upright, to be established. It implies strength. And it tells us that God's word will not be changed. As we've pointed out uh, in the past few Sundays, Satan, first thing he'll try to do is erode God's word. Genesis 3, we see it right away. He will come to Eve and, and put out the question to her, Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every fruit of the garden? So right away he's, trying, he's changing God's word, and he's trying to put into her mind the doubt of God's word. What did God really say? Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? Can you trust his word? Is it true? And, and so he tries to throw all these things in about God's word. And the enemy's always done that. Uh, Warren Wiersbe points out, he says, atheists, agnostics, philosophers, scientists, garden variety sinners of all kinds have ignored the Bible, laughed at it, tried to do away with it, but it still stands. And it does. It's still here today. Just as strong as ever. Always like the story to told by John Phillips. And, and you know it, where uh, the French philosopher, Voltaire, held up a copy of God's Word. And he said, in 50 years, I will have this book in the morgue. And you remember what happened after Voltaire died and he was in the morgue? The Geneva Bible Society owned his house and stored Bibles in it. Now Voltaire is gone. So God's Word's eternal. Rooted, in, and yet, here's the exciting part, it is rooted in history. 
and everyday life. And it will speak to us if we listen. Look ahead at verse 103. David says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What a great encouragement we find in God's word. It's a living word that stands forever. So we see the affirmation of God's word. We can always count on that. A second affirmation we see is God's character. His character is faithful. In verse 90, it says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. God's character, faithful. If we went to every church and asked the pastor there, how many faithful people do you have? We would get the same answer from every one of them. They would all say, not enough. Faithfulness, great quality, and yet shows short in supply. And here David tells us faithfulness is a key quality of God's character. In fact, save your place here, but I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Listen to what Moses tells us. He says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. But what a great description. The faithful God. That's his title, description. That tells us God never runs out. You know, people will run out on us. Uh, they'll disappoint us. But God doesn't. He is faithful always. He stays with us. As we go back to Psalm 119, David says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. You see, God is faithful to every generation. He is faithful to the generation of Abraham. He is faithful to the generation of Isaac. He is faithful to the generation of Jacob. He is faithful to the generation of Moses and Joshua. He was faithful to the generation of David. 
and Daniel. He was faithful to the generation of the apostles. And he's faithful to our generation. All generations. Moses in his prayer in Psalm 90 begins, he says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. God's faithful. And here in Psalm 119, David tells us God's faithfulness is seen in creation. Thou hast established the earth, it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances. For they're all thy servants. Everything here God made. He established the earth and it abides. And it continues day after day because of God's grace. And every day that we get up and we live, that demonstrates God's faithfulness. If it wasn't there, we wouldn't be around. Wouldn't be alive. And then we have a faithful Savior. We have a faithful God. We have a faithful Savior, Jesus. It's interesting in John 1 how the apostle describes Jesus. And in verse 5 he says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What a description. But the first word is faithful witness. He's faithful. In Hebrews, the Bible says Jesus is our faithful high priest. Always intercedes for us. You know, sometimes we get up and if we forget to pray, you know what? Jesus doesn't. He prays for us all the time. Paul wrote the Thessalonians. The Lord is faithful who will establish you, keep you. And the best way to honor that is for us to be faithful people. Proverbs puts the question, but a faithful man, who can find? Isn't that true? King Darius, when he looked at Daniel, he saw a faithful man, and he put him over all his kingdom. He's faithful. Uh, Nehemiah, when he completed the walls and gates of Jerusalem, he picked Hananiah to be in charge over Jerusalem for this reason, for he was a faithful man, feared God above many. Faithful man. So we need to ask ourselves, am I being faithful in my Christian walk with God? In, in Bible study, in, in my prayer, in, in my church attendance, being with God's people? Am I being faithful? It's interesting, Trevin Wax, earlier this month, uh, he had a blog, and he talked about a couple uh, named Jeff and Christine, 30-something uh, 30, 30 uh, churchgoers, they love Jesus and got three kids. And he says they consider themselves faithful members at New Life Community Church. And then he says, yet they are part-timers when it comes to church attendance. And he said they never set out to be. Out of 52 Sundays, they attend church 28 in a year. 
about twice a month. What happened? What do you think about this? Here's the breakdown. Vacation. Spring break, they take off with the kids, so they take off that week and the two weekends. Summer vacation, they took off for a couple more weeks and those weekends. Five Sundays gone. They're not there. Sports. The oldest son is in a tra uh, traveling uh, soccer team. They lose nine Sundays right there. You might think, well, I don't uh, play sports or lose that many in sports. Well, there's some other areas you're going to lose yours. So adjust it. Uh, sickness. Lose three Sundays right there. Now, some of you guys are sick ten Sundays, so there's the adjustment. I guess preacher shows up about three Sundays a year. They don't like listening to that guy. So they take that Sunday off. Three more gone. They have visiting in-laws that show up. Two more Sundays gone there. Then the holidays. Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. Another two there. And that adds up 24 Sundays really quick. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Trevin Wax goes on, he says, well, they're a fictional couple. But he says their story is so true. He said, recently a church leader told me their most faithful attendees are only in church two to three times a month. They basically expect churchgoers to be hit or miss every week. Now, I've said this before. In the past, a faithful member would be in church three times a week. It's rare to see him three times a month. And I know many of you exceed that average. I'm thankful for it. But let me encourage you to be above the average. Certainly more than just two services a month. Man, try to be there for three and add one additional service. Show up on a Wednesday night or Sunday night. Be a part. That makes a big difference. I appreciate people make an effort, work all day, and go to church. Or work at a job that takes them out maybe Sunday morning, they show up Sunday night. Or come Wednesday night. I know Mark here this winter, you up at your cabin and had a snowfall, but he wanted to be in church and I, you had to hook up a trailer or something, horse trailer or something. He got up early and got here. I, I'm impressed with that. I don't forget stuff like that. That blesses God too. So be above the average. They're saying it, it uh, you know, we average about 80 on Sunday mornings. That means we probably have actually an attendance of 100 to 120 because we've got about 40 people like that. So you really, to have those type of attendance figures, really have a bigger church. It's the way our world is today. Faithfulness. God is faithful. Be faithful. It is so needed today. Well, Affirmation. God's provision. David continues telling us some wonderful things 
uh, God provides. And things we can depend on. I mean, who knows what's coming this week? Those three young firefighters. Probably never imagined at the start of that last week what was heading towards them. Who knows what's coming next month? But God does, and he prepares his people. Notice what he provides. In verse 92, he provides joy. Lest thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in my affliction. You see, God's word really prepares us to deal with everything, every crisis that comes. It'll help us keep our sanity. And then David says he provides for our faith. He quickens us in verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. So God's word, it can bring life into us. There's a great power in it. You know, if God, he just spoke the word, he created. Jesus, by the word of rebuke, quieted a storm. With a word of compassion, he healed a leper. And with the word of victory, he said, Lazarus, come forth. So God's word, it can give life. And make the difference and quicken us. So if you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, get into God's word and he'll take that and he'll do something with it. He'll help you. And then God provides fellowship. Verse 94, I am thine, save me, for I've sought thy precepts. Notice who David belongs to. He says, I belong to you, God. He's talking about relationship, fellowship. God provides that. What a blessing. You know, each of us have a desire to belong somewhere to someone. And God says, I want you to belong to me. I want you to be part of my family. And David recognized that. In fact, he tells God, I belong to you. Save me. I have sought thy precepts. And I like that, that word sought. It, it means to inquire. It means to beat a path to. And to do it repeatedly. And that's what we need to do. We need to beat a path to God and God's word. And belong to him. And then David says, God provides him protection. Verse 95. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I'll consider thy testimonies. I always like what Charles Swindoll said. You know, friends, they come and go, but enemies just kind of accumulate them. And, and that's so true. The longer you live, man, you just get more people. Well, just some people, they're not going to like you. And the older you get, you're probably going to have a bigger group of those. 
They just kind of gather. Uh, but didn't bother David. Said the wicked, they're waiting for me. But I'll consider thy testimonies. I mean, you look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Man, he trusts that God's a good shepherd, provides green pastures, still waters, lead him in the paths of righteousness, restores his soul. Even when he goes through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. And it's interesting that he goes on, thou preparest a table before me, in what? In the presence of mine enemies. So it doesn't matter what's going on, God has some good stuff for his people. Protection. Then God provides the impossible. Look at verse 96. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding. Wiersbe says so much is buried in this verse. You can meditate on it for hours. David is telling us man is limited. He's telling us we will never reach perfection. There is never going to be a perfect government. There will never be a perfect economy. There's never going to be a perfect society. And no matter what these experts tell you, we're not going to build that. It's not going to happen. Because human work comes from a limited mind and limited strength and limited ability. It's always going to fall short. And Solomon is right as he wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. When it comes to man, it is. David tells us, God has no limits. His word has no limits. Thy commandment is exceeding broad. Notice singular, commandment, the whole word. It is broad. It's exceeding broad. That word broad means to be roomy in all directions. And you put that with the word exceeding that intensifies it. And it tells us God has no limit. Nothing is impossible. He's limitless. Now every day, we struggle with limitation. Limited money. You get a bill that creeps up, oh, forgot about that one. Limited daylight hours. It's getting darker quicker. Limited time. Limited strength. Limited intellect. 
limitations. And in our scripture reading, we looked at from Mark 10. Jesus was pointing out limitations. He told those disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And notice those disciples were astonished at that. And he said again, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And then he gives that marvelous picture. He said, it would be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter God's kingdom. And that's a pretty good picture. And Jesus meant it literally. How are you going to stuff a camel through the eye of a needle? You're not. And that's what he wanted to show. And, and, and it tells us, and they were astonished out of measure, and then they asked the question, well, who can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, with men, it's impossible. But not with God, for with God all things are possible. You see, Jesus is the Savior of the impossible. He had an impossible birth. Born of a virgin. He lived an impossible, sinless life. And on the cross, he took the impossible sin of everyone from all time. And in the impossible resurrection, he walks away from death. And he stands today offering us the impossible. Everlasting life with him. What a wonderful affirmation. Peter and Erica, come back up. Bring our team back up. Jesus paid it all. 